You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Super Bowl 58 week as we get ready for the Kansas City Chiefs to try to complete the back-to-back run against the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. We'll start today's show off with the Out of Structure podcast, just discussing some matchups to watch in Sunday's Super Bowl. After that, it's a great British Chiefs show, just discussing how the Chiefs can come away with a win and cement their dynasty status in NFL history. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast, just diving a little bit deeper into our Chiefs preview. And then we'll wrap things up with Show MBK, discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball on Sunday to come away with another ring. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. But let's look at some of the key matchups in this game. The 49ers are a really, really talented football team. I think that's the first thing that jumps out. On paper, if you just pull up their depth chart, I mean, this reads like a not quite a Pro Bowl roster, but you know, there there's a there's a substantial number of known players, especially on their defense uh, and their offensive skill positions, that you kind of raise an eyebrow and you say, "Wow, this is a this is a pretty talented team." Uh, what are some of the key matchups that you're watching uh, this weekend? Well, let's start with, I mean, you talked about the playmakers, but someone has to get them the ball, and someone has to kind of you know, uh, delve it out. And I think Brock Purdy for the Niners has been a good quarterback this year. He really has. You know, I think he he might be an upgrade over Jimmy G, I will say. Um, I'd, I've never been a huge fan of Jimmy G. I think Brock Purdy might have just a little bit more kind of, you know, that the ball maybe comes out a little uh, hotter out of, out of his hand. He just moves a little better than Jimmy G too. Jimmy G's played good football for the Niners, but I do think Brock Purdy might be a, just a step above that. And so I do think, you know, they have a decent quarterback uh, there. But the thing is, you know, he hasn't really played the top defenses in the NFL. And when he has, you know, it hasn't been great. Um, and it hasn't. I know we have some stats on that. I don't know if you have those those pulled up um, on the on the two games. Um, I can pull those up after I throw it back to you. But that's the thing is like the, the Niners offense is all about rhythm. It's very similar to the Dolphins offense that this team played twice already this year. It's about getting ahead of the sticks making defenses not know if we're going to run or pass because we're in those neutral situations. We're never putting ourselves in third and long. And so when he, when we do that, you know, we kind of can neutralize the pass rush a little bit and we can just let Brock Purdy just throw where the, where the play is supposed to, right. He can. And, and, and yes, of course there are times, there are definitely plays where he is, you know, making reads at the line and he is calling stuff out and, and he is making the plays himself, but it's all set up. It's all within the scheme. And so it's all about messing up that rhythm. That, that, that's what's all about the pass rush. And so that's the first thing. I think the Chiefs pass rush without Charles Amenehue really just needs to be able to disrupt Brock Purdy when he is passing the ball. Um, and that starts with good run defense. But when we get to those pass downs, it's it, 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 it's about being creative in how to get after the quarterback. Yeah, I do think this is probably the number one key to this game is you've got a, a, a guy who's been there, won Super Bowls, won MVPs, you know, one of the, the winningest quarterbacks in playoff history by just about any measure. And then you've got Brock Purdy. <laughs> like that that matchup doesn't seem to be even by any means. I think the Chiefs defense can get to Brock Purdy. I think they can disrupt him. I think Spags can throw some stuff at him that he's not going to be used to seeing or comfortable seeing. You know, it's going to sound like blasphemy. I, I live in Des Moines, Iowa. For those of you that don't know, there's a lot of Iowa State and Iowa fans here that are rooting on the Purdy Niners um, <laughs> you know, coming into the, the Super Bowl here. 
I just have a feeling that the Chiefs defense can do enough to get him uncomfortable, especially getting uncomfortable early and make him question what he's seeing. You saw some of the stuff that they pulled out over the last few weeks that I've seen highlighted in clips on Twitter, how the Chiefs rotated to a, you know, from a single high back to two, back to, you know, like the, the different things that they've done in the secondary uh, that he's just not going to be that prepared for on top of just Chris Jones should be on one, right. Should be playing the game of his life coming up the middle. Sure. Oh, many, he will be missing. And, and I think that'll be a difference. He was definitely a difference maker. Uh, so we've, we're not sure what we're going to get from the other pass rushers, but this 49ers offensive line has one elite player and a whole bunch of other guys. And I think the chiefs pass rush, especially with as varied as they can get can be a difference maker against Brock Purdy. Yeah. And real quick, I do want to give these stats because uh, this is from Connor Allen NFL on Twitter. He had some good stats before this game. Brock Purdy has played against two top five defenses this season, Cleveland and Baltimore. The Cleveland game, he went 12 of 27 for 125 yards, one touchdown, one interception. They only scored 17 points. Against Baltimore, he only completed 56% of his passes, zero touchdowns, four interceptions, and the Niners scored just 12 points before he left the game. Those are kind of the two bad spots on, on his resume. And look, the Chiefs defense is in that class of, of elite with these other teams. I mean, they just, they've proven it this playoff run, and they are for the most part healthy without a many hue. But like you just mentioned, I do think they can uh, make it work without him because Trent Williams really is that centerpiece to their pass protection. And the Chiefs have the scheme to kind of maybe waste them a little bit, right? Like put uh, Mike Dana or Felix Enrique Uzama, who will be in for a many who on some of these pass rush packages, put him, put one of those two over Trent Williams and just let him stunt inside or even just waste himself by, you know, working around the edge, just, you're wasting your their best blocker and you're allowing your best pass rushers to manipulate the other four guys. And I think that's the best way to do it. Um, and, and I think Felix, honestly, I've tweeted this out. I think he has in his, in his play time this season, he has shown an ability to fire out and really get that leverage inside of a, a, an, an offensive lineman's shoulder and really do pry into pocket a little bit from the front. And so I think that is something that he could do in this game is, is maybe create some front of the pocket pressure by jetting inside off the snap and kind of running into the Niners garter center um, from that left side. So watch for Felix to, to maybe be a more of a battering Ram on, on hmm. Sunday. Yeah. It's an interesting concept to use the, you know, it's like you got fouls to give in basketball. A lot of times <laughs> that was me uh, was, was the guy with, with fouls to give, you know, you're just going to throw somebody at Trent Williams that, that you don't believe is actually going to win that matchup. But somebody that they can just run, keep running his way, keep him busy and, and let your, let your stars go up against, you know, the, the lesser players. I think you've got George Carlottis and Chris Jones who can get home in a lot of situations against their, their matchups. If Jones is inside, if Jones is moving, you know, between the center and the guards and elsewhere. So I like that concept. Uh, it's not super kind to Felix and Usama is like, Hey, you've, you know, we were excited about drafting you and, and you haven't done, haven't had much of an opportunity all season. Welcome to the Super Bowl. Your job is to run into the gut of the best left tackle in the league and probably get buried three or four times during this game. Uh, but it'll help us win. So get out there. Kid. Yeah, no, that's, it'll that's be rough. It'll be a thankless job. It will definitely be a thankless job, but that's the thing is, you know, in the, in the Ravens game, after many who went out, they were starting to put Jones more on the right edge uh, of the, the, the left edge of the offense. Um, and I just don't want them to waste Chris Jones's talents going up against Trent Williams. Cause I do think as an edge rusher, Chris Jones probably doesn't have the same ability to beat Trent Williams. And even though it's an all pro versus an all pro, I do think Trent Williams could probably lock that up. And so, and so yeah, just waste him. Dana's probably going to be the one doing it the most, but, I think Felix has, you know, is a little bit bigger of a body, maybe. Um, maybe not. Dana's, I guess, pretty built by now. But, uh, you know, maybe the length, right? He has a little bit more length to him. Maybe he can kind of pry himself into the pocket more a few times. And so, yeah, watch for them. But let's go to the other side because you talked about, you know, that first it was kind of, you know, 
there's all this Mahomes, then it's Brock Purdy. Mahomes is here in his fourth Super Bowl, and he's on a historic stretch of, of playing clean football. He now has the most consecutive playoff games in NFL history without an interception. That is six in a row, uh, minimum 20 pass attempts in those games. And so he is going up against a 49ers passing uh, or a, a pass defense, excuse me, in that back seven that, you know, we're going to talk about the linebackers, but the cornerbacks and safeties are nothing really to write home about. You know, Traverius Ward earned a Pro Bowl or All-Pro status this year, um, you know, he, he's definitely still someone I think they can they can take advantage of. And, and you know, guys like, you know, Rasheed Rice, you know, even can can maybe uh, make some plays against. So, yeah, I, I'm pretty good about my homes going up against this back end um, and, and maybe being able to exploit them. And so, yeah, I, I think that's another key key part of this matchup is the 49. They've, you know, they're banged up and they their safety. Uh, Hafanga, he's a great player. Uh, he was injured earlier this season. He's not playing. So they're 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 down to a few backups in the secondary stacks. Yeah, again, I'll take Mahomes against any secondary. I'm not really going right. to say like there's a, especially after last, you know, the after they beat the Ravens, I'm not really going to say any defense is going to be too much for Mahomes to handle. But like Dan Orlovsky pointed out on Twitter, there's some really specific ways that the Chiefs are likely to attack this 49ers defense. And it comes in a really simple formation. And I, I want you to explain the X's and O's a little bit, if you don't mind. But I think it's a really it was a really good insight from Orlovsky to point out how the Chiefs can put these defenders in no-win situations that are designed to either free up Travis Kelsey or leave somebody else completely wide open. If if those are your two options as a defense, let Travis Kelsey beat you or leave MBS, Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco completely uh, you know, on their own it feels like a not not much of a, a win situation for for defenses and you and Mahomes you're right is on a different level with his decision making right now and i trust him you know implicitly to to move this team up and down the, the field without putting the ball in harm's way the way he's played especially in this playoff run he knows the deal he's been there there's nothing that's going to flap him or, or or shake him at this point uh, so it's going to be fun to watch him just pick apart this 49ers defense in ways that that maybe uh, they just don't have great answers for. Right, exactly. Dan Orlovsky t- talked about the sail concept, which is basically a three route concept. Um, it's, it's it's kind of like a flood, right? A flood concept is basically where you're attacking each level of the defense to the sideline at one time. So you have a flat, a, a player in the flat, you have a player in the inter- intermediate, 10 to 15 yards, and then you have a deep player. The sale concept is a specific type where that that outside player is getting vertical, that inside player is is getting vertical, and then getting to the intermediate, and that's usually where Kelsey is. He's that intermediate out, and so against a a heavy uh, uh, cover three team, um, you know, I don't know if they're heavy cover three, but they play a lot of of, of one high, trusting their a guy like Traverius Ward to have that deep third, right? When they do that, that puts that cornerback in a bind. You know, does does he come off that deep receiver to uh, pick up Kelsey? Does he stick with the deep receiver and, and trust his flat? Rec- and a lot of times he does have to stick with the deep receiver because then you're allowing that guy to just get uh, get deep. And so it, it comes on the flat defender now. Is that flat defender going to get enough depth to take away Kelsey or is he going to overreact to Pacheco coming into the flat? If he does take away Kelsey, then Pacheco has an open space to the flat where he has momentum. Even if the flat defender does come up after that, Pacheco's going to run him over probably. Um, and so that's where it becomes a really nice concept. But even if the, the Niners overflow because that's the thing is is they could overcommit right fred warner could really sell out to get over get out to kelsey and really take him away from the inside that's that's something the chiefs have to when you're running this route to kelsey that out route you have to hit it quickly so that linebacker doesn't get all the way over there if fred warner sells out because he can he's a great player what do you know we have Rasheed rice on the backside running an isolated route over the middle then you leave that open boom then then that's another route so it really mm-hmm. is what what you talked about where it's just kind of pick your poison and if you don't have talented DBs, talented safeties, talented cornerbacks, it makes it even harder because a lot of it's anticipation. The Chiefs also run these plays out of different looks. Like you, you don't know it's coming because it's not like they run the same formation. It's 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 they're gonna shake it up. They're gonna motion into it. So there's, there, it's it's a great pull by Dan because 
it definitely is a play that the Chiefs love to use, and it's a play that that definitely takes advantage of the Niners, uh, the way they run defense specifically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the that scenario you just said where they leave Rasheed Rice um, unguarded or or you know with lots of space because the linebacker is selling out, that might be the best case scenario in that route concept. Uh, yeah. Ironically, I think I think the the most likely scenario is that, that gets Kelsey some good opportunities, especially if the Chiefs are able to hit one of the deep shots early. If if you come into this game and there's no threat of that deep player, if they're not even attempting to throw the ball down the field, like they were in the second half of the game against the Ravens, there was no chance they were throwing deep until that very final play, of course. But I think they have to have some threat that in that route concept, that deep player is a threat, right? Otherwise, they can sell out on Kelsey without worrying about MVS or whoever's running that deep concept. It's going to be MVS or Watson most likely. Right. And yeah, so I think they, I would love to see the chiefs connect on a deep shot relatively early out of that concept, just to make sure it's on the table, uh, freeing up kind of everything else. Yeah. And if they're smart, you know, they, they'd maybe attack the other side. And Andrew Thomas is the, is the Niners other outside corner. Cause Traverius Ward is good. He, He is familiar with, with the chiefs. You know, I mean, there's a chance that you know he 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 knows Mahomes's you know uh, uh, tendencies. You know, I'm I'm put, I'm reaching a little bit for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ambry Thomas on the other tendencies too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's true. Exactly right. And so, but Ambry Thomas on the other side is a little bit more exploitable. I think that's someone that they could really put in a pretzel um, in that concept. But let's what also I, talk about what I think this highlights is it's really the Chiefs' offensive coaching staff. Yeah. Versus versus the talent of the 49ers defense that is going to make this going to make or break this game in a lot of ways. It's Andy Reid versus Nick Bosa, and and we've seen it in the past. The scales were tipped in Andy Reid's favor last time they played. Nick Bosa had no clue where he was supposed to be going uh, because they found ways to put him in those no win situations and put him in the same look multiple times. End up in different ways different directions. Those are situations that are intentional, that are schematic, that are coaching based more so than talent based. So uh, what, what are some other things that Andy Reid can do to this Niners defense and specifically Nick Bosa this week? Cause I, I think that's going to be a fun matchup again. Yeah. And I am going to have an article up. Uh, I haven't gotten the work done on it yet, but I'm going to rewatch the 2022 game and see what we can take away there. Cause one of the big key takeaways is how they, is how they manipulated Nick Bosa with screen passes, with misdirection, with, with pre-snap motion, quick hitting motion, those jet sweeps, leaving him unblocked. You're going to see that in this game as well. And, and, you know, it should be Andy Reid versus Nick Bosa and Fred Warner, you know, because I had this fear going in the Ravens game, like, Hey, you know, Roquan Smith's a good linebacker, but, you know, you make this point all the time, and it, and it's just a it's just kind of a microcosm of it. But you know, it doesn't matter how good your linebacker is, like because Andy Reid is so good at manipulating their eyes, manipulating their responsibilities, making them you know respect one thing and and realizing, oh shoot, you know it, that's making me give up this. You know, it's not about really if you're a bad or good linebacker. Honestly, sometimes I think the best linebackers might get manipulated even more because they are so key to like, okay, I know I have to do this, and Andy Reid knows. Hey, I know he's going to go do this, so I'm going to make him think that, and then boom. So there's so many things here um, that I think if you have a all 11 talented defense, I think it makes it really hard for Andy to to have those kind of things where he's scheming up against one guy. But he does this against Max Crosby. He does this against uh, you know these one-off players on these defenses, and that's kind of what you have here, where Nick Bosa, Fred Warner are great players around them, not so great. So if you really manipulate them and let the other and, and let your players just take it take uh, you know, take care of the rest. It might just be lights out there. So I, I, I'm feeling good that Andy Reid's got stuff cooked up. Um, like I mentioned again, the misdirection, jet sweeps. It's just going to be a bunch of different movement and making Bosa and Red Warner think once, twice, three times a play. Yeah, you got to slow those guys down. You got to give them something to think about. Nick Bosa can wreck a game. You know, I think he had two sacks last week uh, and four quarterback hits, if I remember right in their playoff matchup against the lions. Like that. Uh, this is a, this is a player that is, you know, not just all pro, but he is, you know, defensive player of the year caliber. And so it's somebody you got to be aware of. I do trust the Chiefs' scheme and their ability to, to target him. Uh, and I'll be watching that. It'll be a lot of fun. 
Uh, what about what about on the running game? Because this is something that the Chiefs haven't historically been known for, or this version of the Chiefs haven't historically been known for. But there's been some emphasis on being able to run the football against you know some really good defenses in the playoffs, especially. Will they continue to, to give Pacheco the opportunity to pound the football and run through the turf in, in Vegas? They should, because if you watch the Niners, you know, they've given up 182 rushing yards, 139 rushing yards these last two weeks. It's definitely something that they can be exploited with. You know, their interior defensive line, you know, for having the names they do, they don't really have anybody too stout, too, uh, you know, where they're going to eat up gaps and really be hard to move um, from a run lane. You know, they have Javon, Javon Hargrave, they have Javon Kinlaw, they have Eric Armstead, you know, these guys that can kind of, you know, uh, eat up space in, or make plays from inside, but not really as run defenders. I really think those guys, guys like Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey can kind of, can kind of, uh, you know, take advantage of those guys and pave the way. And if we've seen anything from this playoff about these offensive tackles, it's that they're at their best when you're asking them to, to run block. I mean, Jawan Taylor has been an awesome um, down blocker, you know, really creating separation on those off tackle runs. And so I think you got to continue to do that, continue to let your offensive line, you know, own the control, own the game, own the line of scrimmage. And that's only going to help them when they're blocking a pass protection too. So, um, yeah, I, I think they re- the chiefs really should come out and, and run the ball um, and try to at least effectively. To knock off the, 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 the dolphins and the number two and number one seed on the way to playing another one seed in the Super Bowl, this could be one of the greatest playoff runs we've ever seen. But apparently, oh, no, it's the refs. Oh, no, it's the spongy grass. Oh, no, it's just because Taylor Swift's there. She's the good luck charm. <laughs> the NFL wants the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl because they want secretly want Taylor Swift to perform there and stuff like that. It yeah. just, it just, it's tiring. I think yeah. that's what it is. I think what we felt this year, it's just so tiring to hear all of these excuses and nobody really give the flowers to the Chiefs players, the Chiefs organization yeah. for actually being in this position right now yeah. of being a, a perennial Super Bowl contender. Yeah. I, I get your frustration. I get why you had that bit of an outburst right there, mate, because it's just being, you just want to give somebody a, a head a shake, don't you? Yeah. Especially these 49 players. Enough is enough. Just come on. Yeah. Anyway, look, look, look in the mirror. Let's, that's, that's all I say. Just look in the mirror. And this is a team that we've given so much credit for all season. The 49ers. like yeah. we we both said that they would represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. Like we've mm. both been like high as a kite on this team. No pun intended. Um, like every week with 49 with their power rankings and AP, they've always been ranked high. I don't even think they've slipped out the top five once, even when they went on a, like a, a losing streak in the middle of the season, they were still mm. top five. They hung about in there because of the talent they have. They are so much better than the excuses that they are make giving already. Yeah. That's the annoying thing. Like, and that's where I have so much respect for the chiefs because we do not behave in that way. We do not make excuses when we play poorly. We own up to it. We, we have a sense of accountability and we try to make it better, but th- for them to sit there and complain, Complain about other things already. Refs, holds, soggy fields, or whatever, spongy fields, or whatever. Yeah. Like that just doesn't sit right with me. Like just, just be pissed off, but put up and shut up, and just come out and do something about it on the field on, on Sunday. That's why I don't like it. But I still think they're like the 49ers Without although they have made all those excuses, they are still a, like a phenomenal football team mm. that can come out and cause all manner of problems for this Chiefs team. That is for sure. Yeah. Uh, Well, just looking at the teams, I saw a stat as well this week that uh, 36 Chiefs players on this current roster obviously have Super Bowl experience. They've either won it or been in one. Uh, And only 12 on the 49ers side. Um, So even I thought that was quite crazy because this team, this Chiefs team, is so young. And yet they've already got that wealth of experience of how to win a Super Bowl. Um, That's the thing that really kind of gives me that confidence that this team knows exactly what they're doing and how to get here. Granted, there are some weapons on the 49ers. There are a lot of weapons on the 49ers, especially on the offensive side of it. That's the understatement of it. Yeah, there is a lot. (laughs) There is a lot of weapons. Um, And, you know, when you look at the the weapons that Brock Purdy's had, he's going to shine in that team. He is absolutely going to shine. But I'm not going to take that away from him because you still have to be the quarterback. You still have to be that guy that that tosses the ball to the players or, you know, calls the players Mm-hmm. And Brock Purdy has been 
phenomenal. Uh, for somebody who's Mr. Irrelevant, has been phenomenal. He's 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 just whole. I don't know what it is. It's just his whole mannerism, his whole the way he holds himself. Um, even in the opening night interviews and stuff, he just seems really cool, really calm, really calculated. So I don't think he's that I, kind of player. I just that's want to inter- be- I want to interrupt you quickly, right? So obviously Brock Purdy's performance and his stature in the league has obviously been under scrutiny a little bit of re- a little bit recently. Yeah. So when you say he's phenomenal, do you do you call him phenomenal in relation to his draft position, or do you think he's a genuinely phenomenal quarterback no i i think it's how he's handled himself and how he's he's not been phased by it all let's put it this way um i mean we saw uh was it nick bosa was talking to him in the in in the locker room after the last game he's like how how are you doing this how are you doing this you know i think it's just his whole mannerism and how he's just doesn't seem to be shaken by anything he's not affected by much he just seems to believe in his own ability granted he's probably not going to be ever mentioned as being one of the, the greatest quarterbacks around, but the way he's just managed himself in the whole process and just not even thinking about the Mr. Irrelevant thing at all. Just basically he was told to go and play quarterback. He's gone and go and play gone and played quarterback on the 49ers and things have happened. And I think that's I think the building of the respect from the, the players around him has been the big thing here because they say that he's not even bothered by draft position. And I think you're right. I think the draft position thing here is it has been the phenomenal thing about it. He's a young player, loads of confidence in his own ability, and he doesn't seem phased that the fact that he's playing with all of these superstars on the 49ers. He's not phased because they're making his life so much easier. That's why. Well, yeah, phased. exactly. Like you look at the 49ers and who they've got, like weapons wise, just at the top of my head, you've got Kittle, Samuel, Ayuk, and Christian McCaffrey. Like, Debo. Yeah, Debo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, well, he's, like, is is there a better set of weapons in the NFL than those four players, with two receivers tight end and a and a running back? Like you're looking at potentially what two Hall of Fame players there in Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle, mm. and then D- Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, who are very very good receivers as well. And Debo yeah. Samuel less so of a receiver, but more so of like an offensive weapon that offers him that variety. Yeah. So he is certainly in like a beneficial position as a quarterback like i don't don't think brock purdy would have as much success with any other team um but i don't want to use that as a knock on him like the 49ers have very much said to him right come in run the offense just run the offense let go carl and build it mm. and let you run it and all i want you to do is execute just execute what the plays are and like it can be hard for some players to do that some players have not got that in them just to mm. go and like basically follow instruction and execute. And then on the old occasion, when it does break down three hours, create plays after that. Because Brock Purdy does that does have that ability. But first and foremost, it's this is the offense. This is what we want you to do. In this scenario, you have this read, you take this player. If that player's not open, you take this second read and you take that player. If that's not open, then you go to the third read. And like I know it sounds very simplistic. But that's all they've asked him to do is just to be a break it down, read the defense, go through your progressions and take what is given to you. Mm. And some quarterbacks find that phenomenally hard to do. But Brock Purdy seems to do it very, very, very well. Now, he hasn't got the arm talent that other quarterbacks have. He hasn't got the big playmaking ability of other quarterbacks have. I don't think any 49ers fans going to come on this show and start shouting at us or leaving a review shouting at us for saying that because he's not. He's not in the same league as Herbert, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. But what Brock Purdy doesn't do, he doesn't particularly hurt his team very often. No. And you don't, when you've got a team as good as the 49ers have and you have those weapons, that is the perfect quarterback for this system. It's something that Jimmy G done pretty well to begin with, but then he kind of tailed away. And then they were looking for that other guy to come in and do the same. They obviously went for Trey Lance, who they thought could potentially have the ability to take them over the top when it comes to quarterback, run the offense, and then make the big play. But that didn't work out because then you had this Mr. Irrelevant come in and Brock Purdy, <laughs> who has just been brilliant since he come in. And I don't want to sit here and bash Brock Purdy because it sounds like I am, but I don't, I, I, I think he's a 
brilliant player. And like, it's going to be a, sh- a shame if the Chiefs do lose this court, they do lose this game. People go, oh, Patrick Mahomes lost to Brock Purdy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not just losing to Brock Purdy, is it? It's like, you are losing to Shanahan, Christian McCaffrey, Debra Samuel, George Kill. You are losing to all of those guys. It's not just a case of Mahomes versus Purdy. Oh, if the 49ers wins, Brock Purdy's definitely a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes because you're not, I don't feel like that's ever going to be in question, but some people will lose, use it as an excuse to bash Mahomes afterwards if it does happen. Well, nobody's going to say the same thing about Eli Manning over Tom Brady, are they? That's, you know, that's that was clearly not a thing. But no, going on what you're saying, I mean, we've seen talent, more talented quarterbacks in the league. They've gone really high, you know, first round, first overall pick a lot of the time mm-hmm. that haven't been able to make it happen in the NFL. And yet you've got some kid there who's classed as Mr. Irrelevant. Nobody even saw him get drafted, <laughs> you know. Um, but he's slotted in perfectly and he's handled it perfectly and he's not been phased by it. I think I think it's a I think it's a great little story that you know he's he's managed to achieve what he's achieved. Uh, but like you said, the supporting cast really is I mean a lot of them are like leading men to be honest, aren't they? They're not really a supporting yeah. cast. He's the supporting cast with a lot of leading men in there. Yeah. yeah um it, it is going to be interesting to see how he handles this kind of pressure because he's handled it pretty well over the over the course of the playoff, but this is the Super Bowl now. Is he going to still be Mr. Ice Cold? Is he going to be even more ice cold than Patrick Mahomes? Mm. We'll obviously wait and see on that. But I'm interested to see how what Spags does to counter this this 49ers offense because I was going to get into this. Yeah. Sorry if I ruined your segue, but no, no, am, go for it. Go for it. I, I am intrigued by it because obviously, typically so far in the playoffs, the Chiefs have been like, right, we load the box, we mm. trust Sneed and we trump trust McDuffie. And then we're just like, right, let the other nine defenders concentrate on the offensive line, running game, and get into the quarterback. Where the 49ers probably have a few more weapons to account for than mm-hmm. than that. So, obviously, the big mismatch is obviously going to be George Kittle here because George Kittle was a phenomenal receiver still as a tight end. Like, he, he's not Travis Kelsey, but he's still very good. Mm-hmm. And I, I am concerned if Willie Gay can't go, although he should be, who actually covers... George Kittle, because you expect that Trent McDuffie or um, Legere Sneed will follow Ayuk and Debo, but it's going to be, what do they do about George Kittle? So I would be tempted if I'm Spags to actually bring LJ in. I'm calling him LJ now, Legere Sneed, LJ. Um, I, I, am, I would be tempted if I was uh, uh, Spags to bring LJ inside and maybe have him go one-on-one against George Kittle, potentially, mm-hmm. in the obvious pass it does. But I am intrigued by that and how they handle Christian McCaffrey leaking out the backfield. Because mm-hmm. unlike the Ravens, Brock Purdy hasn't, like, isn't the threat on the ground that Lamar Jackson was. So you don't really have to worry too much about that. You can try, you can should be able to, with your passers, keep him in the pocket and hopefully make him a sit and duck in that sense. But if things start to break down and Christian McCaffrey is there, he's like the ultimate outlet player for, yeah. for anyone, any uh, quarterback. So... I'm intrigued to see what they do in terms of trying to cover him. Do they use Willie Gay? Do they use Drew Tranquil? Do they try and use a cornerback or a safety to potentially watch Christian McCaffrey? I, I do think he's like a player that uh, like kind of offers so many problems for opposing defences. And if I'm Spags, I'm sitting there trying to game plan for this game and I go, right, where does my game plan need to start? And if I'm him... I think your game plan has to start with Christian McCaffrey. Like against the Ravens and the Bills, it was obvious. Your game yeah. plan starts with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. But against the 49ers, for all this credit we're given to Brock Purdy in the last five minutes of the show, I don't feel like your focus can be on Brock Purdy. No. It has to be on Christian McCaffrey. It simply has to. Because remember, we're only like four years removed from the Super Bowl in Miami. And the 49ers were having a whale of a time against the Chiefs in the first three quarters. They weren't scoring loads of points. They were moving the ball. But then what did Shanahan do in the fourth quarter after Mahomes started to gain some momentum? He panicked. Mm. And he started passing the ball. And, and that night, they didn't have Christian McCaffrey. This time, they do. And I feel like Kyle Shanahan is probably going to be in a better, better position because he now has two Super Bowls that he's wrapped up. One with, the, one with the Falcons, one with the 49ers, where he's messed up by uh, abandoning, abandoning the run. Mm. I don't feel like he's going to make the same mistake. He surely can't make the same mistake again. Can't mess up a third Super Bowl by abandoning the run. And no. so if you're Spags, your entire 
defensive game plan has to be around stopping Christian McCaffrey first and then worry about everyone else second. Christian McCaffrey is too much of a temptation not to use. He's yeah. that type of player. He's, you know, he makes things happen. But yeah, you, going back to what you were saying about George Kittle as well. Yeah, he's a good receiving threat, but he's also great at blocking as well. And if 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 they can get Kittle for blocking uh, Christian McCaffrey in that run game, that's going to be a devastating kind of combination for for this Chiefs defense, like you said. And there's the other thing as well is is Spags likes to dial up the blitz quite a bit. He he, he did it a lot against the Ravens. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the stats against Brock, Brock Purdy, his passer rating under the blitz is one two eight. So clearly, there's outlets there that he can get to. They can just fling the ball out yeah. to no problem, or he can uh, just hand it off to someone, can he? So if you're bringing the blitz, they're going to kill you. Yeah, they're going to kill you every time. So I, I'm with you. Do they do the Chiefs design it now where they just load the box, like you said, but not bring the blitz, try and stop that run, and then obviously, you know, let McDuffie and Snead do the rest. But I, I'm I'm with you on this one. I don't know how he's going to play it because it is very different. It's almost like flipped, isn't it, where you said you're not going for a, a top-end quarterback here. You're going for the top-end running back here. I think that's going to be the key battle in this. I think that's going to be the win or loss in this. Do you stop See, Christian I think, McCaffrey? I've, I think the key battle, and the fact they could be his last game as a chief as well, Chris Jones needs to have the game of his life. Yes. Because um, you're talking about how good they are against the Blitz. If they're that good against the Blitz, you can't Blitz. You have no. to win with four. You just you ascend four every time. You have to win with four. And yeah. I, I've watched some some bits and bobs from the Lions game. I didn't catch the game live, but from what I've seen, it's the, the 49ers actually struggled a little bit in that game of internal pressure. And mm. we happen to have the best, the best internal pass rusher in the NFL. So... If you're Chris Jones and you want to sign off from Kansas City with another incentive, no doubt, and some more money and go go running into the sunset with your millions upon millions of dollars going to be a free agent, then give us a present and go out there and have a two, two and a half sack game. Yeah. Get your hands on loads of footballs. Like you did in Super Bowl 54, where you kind of just dominated that game, especially mm. in the fourth quarter. Chris Jones took over that game. So I, I think it's under understated how important Chris Jones was. Obviously, people talk about Wasp. People talk about, obviously, Damian Williams playing brilliantly. Frank Clark. Uh, Frank Clark. <laughs> but Chris Jones was phenomenal in Super Bowl 54, and he mm. took that game over in the second half. Chris Jones needs another game like that on Sunday. Because if they're not blitzing and they're going to try and win with four against this quarterback and this quick passing offense by the 49ers, you have to win quickly. And the one player defender that we have capable of winning quickly is Chris Jones. Yeah, I'm looking at you, 95. Like, go, go running off to the sunset with two and a half sacks in the Super Bowl. Another Lombardi trophy, please, bud. Escape. You can't make these plays. You can't make these throws. Come on, give us a sneak preview. Chiefs preview. Shout out to DMAC in the comments. <laughs> he said, Hollywood everything up. He said, Hollywood Gunnels was at the Grammys. I heard he presented the Taylor with the award. You got everything <laughs> out you needed to? Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just making sure. Uh, yeah, for now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was Scissor's award that she stole, by the way. Just want to make. I that knew you. I knew you were gonna say that. Don't, don't, Aaron. Don't, don't get the Swifties on your head, man. Don't do it. I'm saying it with my chest. That was Scissor's award that she stole. Hey, clip it. Hey, clip can it, you Skirta. clip that? We're gonna, we're gonna yeah, post it on us. That's gonna go viral. It. I'm gonna make sure the Swifties see that. Clip it. Gosh <laughs> darn it. Preview in Super Bowl 58 here on Chiefs Coast to Coast, episode 76. San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Niners are two-point favorites as of this taping. I think it was like two and a half. I've even seen three some places. Currently, two points. Let's start with our injury updates. I haven't seen an injury report. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, I haven't seen the injury report come out for today yet. But Yeah, we should. But I I can update you with what we know as of this moment. Joe Tooney, who's still dealing with that pec injury, was called a long shot by Andy Reid to go. James Palmer has followed up and said, you know, the Tooney camp is still trying their best to make it happen. I talked with Joe Tooney on opening night. He said it's a day-by-day thing, wants to get just towards the end of the week and see if it's a positive thing uh, towards the end. Andy Reid kind of called it like a strength issue just to see how much strength he actually has there 
Because I mean, when you're an offensive lineman, man, you're up here. You know, you're 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 using that. You know, you need the the strength and the the range of motion. Um, if I'm calling it right now, if I'm if I'm doing a lad prediction, I don't think Joe Tooney goes, and Nick Allegretti gets a second consecutive start. Kadarius Tony, who was in that up and down middle ground, didn't know what he was dealing with, had the kid, had the Instagram live, not doesn't have an injury designation. But we talked about this in the chat. I, I don't see a world in which in which Kadarius Tony plays in this game. I just don't. I don't either. <laughs> I just don't. I don't see why you would mess with something that's been working with the condensed rotation. You know, you know who your main guys are, who you want to touch the ball, who you want to get snaps. And the last image we saw of him was dropping a pass that led to a pick against New England. And that feels like forever ago. December 17th. What about this? Quickly on Tony here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. What about just as a punt returner? We saw him make a game-changing play in Super Bowl 57 as a punt returner. He didn't really get much burn as a wideout in that game really either. Obviously, he scored the touchdown. But the punt returner aspect of things, if you're just putting him right between the rails and say, hey, we need you to make a play, would you be comfortable with KT uh, being a punt returner in this game? No. Uh, <laughs> I've been seeing this narrative pushed out there, and I'm like, what's wrong with Richie James? I feel like he's been fine. He's shown some juice. I know he's actually going to catch the ball. Not to say that Tony hasn't as a punt returner, but still, a guy that hasn't played in nearly two months, I don't want to just throw him out there and risk a, a muff fumble or something crazy like that when I've seen Richie James be able to handle it just fine. And I think he has some juice to him as well. He can pop one as well. So I don't see the need there. And like we always talk about, at the end of the day, just give the ball to 15. Like, if you just got a fair catch the ball, I'm okay with that. If you got to just let it go, I'm okay with that. I don't need a guy to punt return and bring the ball back, get a touchdown, or give me great field position. Like, obviously, that stuff would be great, but I don't think it's necessary. I, I think as long as you have a guy that's reliable back there, can do his job, I'm okay. I, I'm sticking with Richie James. He's been doing it the last two months. I'm fine. Some updates from injured reserve. It is the – Chiefs activating wide receiver Sky Moore, who was there with that knee injury. In his place goes Charles Aminahue, who tore his ACL in the AFC Championship game. That's going to be a tough loss. Sounds like Felix NUDK Uzama is expecting a bigger workload after being inactive these last few weeks in the playoffs. I talked with him on opening night. He says it's the next man up mentality. He's not trying to overthink it. He's treating it like a normal week. What are your expectations for FAU in this one, Mark? I think for him, you see him in there on obvious rushdown, uh, pass rushdown situations. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously like your second, third, and long situations where he could just go out there, not think too much, pin his ears back, and say, go out to the quarterback. Because when he did play, when he gets some clock, he actually had a pretty good pressure rate. You know, he it didn't come with the sacks, but he did get active. He has a lot of speed on the edge. He's very athletic. He's strong. Uh, and, you know, they picked him in the first round for a reason. You know, they felt that, you know, this guy has potential to be really good one day. Uh, I think I know people were saying they just got him because he's from Kansas City. And it was a great story in Kansas City with the draft being there. I don't think it mattered where the draft was at. They would have picked him there regardless. It just happened to be a perfect storm with uh, him being a hometown kid and the draft being in Kansas City. But this is what you want, man. You know, you want to see what you got there uh, heading to next year because you have a really big role next year, especially with a mini who probably not going to be available the first half of the season next year. You know, with the torn ACL, you got to imagine he's going to miss at least the first month or so of next season. So this is a big test, man. It just happens to be on the biggest stage for him. So I'm excited. I think this is a great opportunity for, for FAU, right? Like, Think about what Sky Moore did in the Super Bowl and the confidence that that built for him going forward. Yes, he didn't completely capitalize on it this year, had the injury. But like for Felix, a guy who had a roller coaster year, had the high emotion of being drafted in your hometown by the hometown team. And then you spent most of your year kind of learning like this is the opportunity to put all those things together and to help a team win a Super Bowl. You can take that into the offseason and build off of it going forward. The big thing with FAU, Mark, and I think people forget this, kid is 22 years old. Like, he, he could play 10 years in the league and only be 32. Like, he's got so much more football ahead of him. Like, when you're going to look back on his career, potentially, I'm just guessing. I'm not, I'm not predicting. I'm just guessing. 
you won't even remember this first year potentially. Like you won't even say he was a healthy scratch. You could say he made a big play in the Super Bowl that catapulted them to another title. Like this is best case scenario for FAU. I don't root for guys often, but I'm absolutely rooting for him to have success in this game. Last but certainly not least is Jarek McKinnon, who we talked about briefly earlier to start off the show. His practice window was opened, but from what I've gathered from the talks here, from what Andy Reid said at the podium, he's mostly here as a locker room guy, as a moral support type guy. Another piece of this pie, Patrick Mahomes was asked, and this was kind of sometimes you can get information out of funny questions. Somebody asked Mahomes who would be the best future coach on the team. (laughs) And the two guys that he mentioned were Blake Bell and Jarek McKinnon. And I think that gives great insight to why they made this move and why he's here on the team as early as he is, or he's on the cheer on the trip as early as he is, because he's an extra set of eyes, a former 49er, a guy who's going to be in that wide receiver room, or excuse me, that running back room that helps them uh, get ready for this big stage. Uh, I also heard Brian activated him and opened his window and allowed him to make the trip is to be in that room and provide some of this moral support. Well, you said wide receiver room because he led the team in receiving touchdowns last year. So don't don't feel too bad about that. But uh, yeah, I totally agree. And just a sidebar real quick. I was thinking about that. You know, who would be a great head coach on this team? How about Nick Bolton? I feel like Nick Bolton would be a really good head coach one day. You know, a guy that has the green dot, you know, controls the defense. He seems like a very stoic type of guy. He doesn't give too much at the podium. So he, he kind of fits that head coaching mode to me as well. But as far as McKinnon goes, yeah, I don't think he's going to play either. And how about this? How about a full circle moment? Remember last year, CH didn't dress for the Super Bowl. Now he's going to be RB2 in this game. And after that game last year, you know, he didn't go to the parade. People thought he was done in Kansas City. He went to Fashion Week in New York. You know, everybody was writing him off of being a chief uh, this season. So full circle moment now. Now he has a chance to play in the Super Bowl because McKinnon is not going to be out there. So I think you may see him in a couple packages. And, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to be super, super excited to play in this game. Chiefs Coast to Coast is rolling right Along as we preview Super Bowl 58, if you have any comments, criticisms, concerns for the gang, drop them now because we will be answering them at the end of the show. Sort of wanted to make sure we talked about this. Remember earlier I mentioned I think it's going to come down to the Chiefs defense versus the uh, the Niners offense. How about the Chiefs O-line versus the Niners pass rush with no Joe Tooney expected to play in this one? It's Nick Allegretti stepping in. I talked with him earlier today about what kind of the mindset is like as both of them kind of try and prepare for this big game. I'm treating it like I'm playing because that's how I have to mentally. Uh, he's also treating it that way. So, you know, when a left guard coaching point comes up, we'll kind of look at each other and try to interpret it for for each other and, you know, what that step means or, you know, what the angle means that we have to take. And having a guy like that who's been – probably the best guard in this league for the last four or five years, uh, has not gotten his, uh, his credit that he deserves. But having a guy like that, you know, in your ear and helping you along the way and, you know, seeing him prepare, but, you know, also knowing that, you know, the coaching points he's taken, I can apply to myself. Uh, he, he's been incredible. The Niners also top 10 in sacks, Mark. They finished the regular season at least with 48 sacks, which was good for a seventh place tie. Uh, I think Nick Allegretti played well in Baltimore. Obviously, he got got occasionally, but I think even if Joe Tooney isn't able to go, his, his mental, what's between the ears, is going to help KC be successful at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Yeah, you're talking about a guy that, and Nick Allegretti, who's been a starter before. He's been in the system for five years. And in that Ravens game, he actually had the best blocking grade out of all the offense linemen in that game, including the ones from Baltimore. And now that was one of the best fronts you're probably going to see all year. They led the league in sacks, actually, did the Ravens. And you didn't really notice Allegretti at all, which is a good thing for offensive linemen. You don't hear their name too much because if you do, that means they're probably getting holding penalties or, you know, things of that nature. They're getting their butt whooped at the line of scrimmage and giving up sacks. So you didn't get any of that in that game. I think it helps a lot, too, when you have Creed Humphrey to your right You know, I think one of the best centers in the league, if not the best, him or Jason Kelsey, you can argue that one. But I think they're fine. And Andy Reid, you know, he's really, really good offensive lines. He knows how to play to their strengths, you know, keep the defensive line off of balance, you know, using misdirection, you know, some eye candy, putting guys in motion. That 
things like that slow down the pass rush and also being effective in the run game, which is probably the most important part of slowing down a pass rush because now you're keeping them off balance, right? You're staying on schedule. You're, you're living in second and five, you know, your third and twos where you have a run pass option. So I think those things are going to be key to making sure they're keeping Patrick Mahomes clean and in the pocket. It's time to talk about the D word pause. Hey, yo, (laughs) did you, did you, you said that like so normal as if like you were like, you intentionally wanted to say it like that. (laughs) You know, I got, I got to tease, you know, I got to keep, keep the audience listening. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, (laughs) all right. What's what's the D what's the D word, man? (laughs) Dynasty. To me, the Chiefs are already a dynasty. I don't care what happens on Sunday. Obviously, it matters, and we measure everything by Lombardi trophies because that's what matters at the end of the day. But six straight AFC title games, five of those at the crib, four Super Bowls in the last five years. The Chiefs are already a dynasty, in my opinion. But, yes, a win over the Niners and Brock Purdy on Sunday, to me, would remove the question mark and replace it with an exclamation point. And then you're starting to enter that rare air yes they're already in rare air but we're talking bill belichick we're talking like i don't i don't need i don't need to see much more to say are the chiefs dynasty because they got so much more to go too mark like this the story ain't done andy Reid is not retiring anytime soon patrick mahomes still got plenty of good ball left in him this could be one of the last chances that travis kelsey has but i i think the chiefs are already a dynasty whether they win or not See, that's where I disagree. I think you gotta you gotta win three in a, a certain time of frame. If you're looking at the history of the league, you know, all the teams we consider dynasties, they, they did that. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they won three in five years. I'm looking right now. The Cowboys in the 90s, they won three in four years. Ain't you done know, nothing since. Well, yeah, but I'm saying at that time, you know, obviously they were a dynasty. Uh the Patriots. We know theirs. Theirs was unique because they they won. They did win three in four years, but then they went like a ten year gap without winning one. But they still were making deep runs in the playoffs. But the theme is three, right? I was talking about Pittsburgh back in the day. They won three and five. The Cowboys won three and four. The Patriots won three and four. So with the Chiefs, you have a chance to win three and five. And when you combine that, obviously, with all the AFC Championship game appearances. I think that definitely puts an exclamation point on it. But name me a dynasty that's won two in a time frame that we saw that we called a dynasty. I, I I can't think of one. You get on me a lot about media narratives and stuff that is just created out of thin air. This is one of those conversations, Mark. There is not, there is no way to measure it. There, there's no way to say, okay, well now you're officially a dynasty. Like we've had this conversation so many times. It's just like. It's in the eye of the beholder, essentially. Like one, they could win five Super Bowls in five years, and somebody still poke holes in it. Like it just, there's no really way to measure it. That's just ridiculous. Come on, let's 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 speak. Let's let's be honest in the conversation right here. Like, okay, yes, there's not like a a benchmark. Like, there's not a certain number in the dictionary that says you got to do this to be a dynasty. But if we're going based on the the media narratives and the history of the game and what teams have been lauded as dynasties those three teams i mentioned have all been considered dynasties and they all won three in about a four to five year window so i'm just going based off of the history of the league and what the masses and the media and the 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 historians have called dynasties all right, um, we do this every week when the Chiefs have the ball. Uh, for you, what 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 what's the thing that really jumps out to you in this matchup against the Niners defense when the Chiefs have the ball, BK? Yeah, so I feel like everybody's been talking about the Niners defense and how it was so similar to the Chiefs defense this year. Ron, this is the time of the year. It reminds me a lot. I, I mentioned this last week, I think, of March Madness where – you get into a spot where it's all about the matchups. Like, forget what happened during the regular season. Don't look back, like, during March Madness. Don't look back at Ken Palm. Just talk about the matchups, right? That's how I feel about this time of the year in the NFL now. Everything has become so matchup-driven. These coaches are so unbelievably smart for the most part that you've got to look at, okay, what are they going to try to exploit? 
And for this 49ers defense during the regular season, they could get away with the way that they played, which is a super stagnant four-man rush. We're going to line up. We're not going to change the picture pre-snap versus post-snap. Man, I'm a, I'm a Mizzou fan. And so I've seen what a Steve Wilkes defense looks like. It didn't work at Mizzou because they didn't have the dudes to be able to play it. And it's worked for the most part with the San Francisco 49ers because they've got talent. But when you go up against somebody like Patrick Mahomes, who knows exactly where you're going to be lining up on every play, dude, good luck. Good luck if you're going to play that kind of stagnant defense over there. The reason why the Ravens gave him some troubles is because it was the opposite of stagnant. They were going to change everything. What you see pre-snap has nothing to do with what they're actually going to do post-snap. The reason why Steve Spagnuolo has so much success, especially against young quarterbacks, you have no idea what's coming your direction. You don't know who's coming from where and if this is the play that they're going to be blitzing. That is not the case with Steve Wilkes. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He's going to line up. He's going to have his dudes hopefully beat your dudes. And if you're going to do that against Mahomes, you're asking for trouble. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think the Chiefs are going to have more success offensively this week than we've seen from them at any point so far this postseason. There's just like there's certain advantages in this game. Um, As you said, matchups and things that they can they can try to exploit. And to me, the things that jump off the page big time from the Niners defense and with the Chiefs is, one, the run game. Um, They have given up a lot of rushing yards here of late. And if you look at it, the two games, they've been down in both these playoff games in which they were a 10-point favorite and a a 7.5-point favorite. They're down, and the Lions just beat the brakes off of them in the run game. Gibbs was getting off, and, I mean, they were running easy, and it was really, like, almost jarring to watch how easily him and Montgomery ran the football. They ran for 182 yards, and it should have been well over 200 if they they weren't just being the Lions. And then, the I mean, the the Packers, they get get 136 in their game. And and they get Aaron Aaron Jones, and he's getting out on the edges in particular. Like those toss plays were big plays that work for both of those teams. And, uh, And to me, I look at this, that, and then their corners. Their secondary is clearly, to me, the weak spot. And this is another one where it's like the Eagles, man. If you can block them, I think that the the Chiefs are going to have success throwing it. If they can get it blocked up front and this offensive line can play the way they've been playing, I think they're going to be able to have success down the field with their wide receiving core. Uh, their receiving core as a whole with Kelsey. Like, I think Kelsey has to be an impact player in this game. But I think the two weaknesses for them is, one, the run game. And I think Isaiah Pacheco should continue to really get the touches that he has been getting in this uh, in this postseason. And then Rasheed Rice. Like, it, you got to be thinking for two weeks, they're sitting here watching what Kelsey has done and how he ran rough shots over the Ravens, a great defense. You've got to look at – you've got to believe they're sitting there thinking, we are not going to let 87 beat us. But I felt like they were trying to operate that way when the Chiefs played them last year. And the person who killed the, the Niners last year is somebody that I think should be used – right should be used in a similar fashion that he was used in last year's game, and that is Juju Smith-Schuster – who went for seven catches and 124 yards and a touchdown. He had a 50-plus one uh, that he took to the house. And just think about that and Juju and his running. He was able to run away from Niners to get into the end zone. And so to me, Rasheed Rice and Pacheco are two major pieces in this game because I think those guys can uh, exploit weaknesses that the, uh, the Niners have had for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll start with uh, Rasheed Rice because I, I find that one to be really interesting. They played a ton of, of zone uh, with the 49ers. And if there's one thing we've seen with Rasheed Rice, it's that he can he can beat zone. He can find the areas to be able to get to. And he's really like developed in this way in a significant way over the course of the season. And if you give him some space, he's one of the two best receivers in the NFL this season when it comes to yards after the catch. Everybody's talking about Debo this week, justifiably so. The guy's amazing. This is little Debo. I love Debo Samuel. Rasheed Rice is second to Debo this year in yards after the catch so far in the 2023-24 season. So he can win that way, and he knows going into this one that they're going to be playing a ton of zone, 
And he knows that they are going to be focusing so much of their effort on slowing down Travis Kelsey, given what we've seen in the first three weeks of this postseason. So I, I think he's a huge piece of this. And then to the other part of it, Ron, on on um, what they're going to be able to get out of Isaiah Pacheco. Dude, teams have been running over this defense left and right so far in the postseason. I mean, you look at what they're trying to do. The Packers did it with Aaron Jones. The Lions did it with David Montgomery. It's just plowing straight ahead and specifically targeting those defensive ends. Chase Young and Nick Bosa want nothing to do with playing against the run. They are hmm. so hyper aggressive about getting after the quarterback, and they're You're right. at it. You're right. I thought it was just Chase. Nick Bosa, he he's doing it too, and they confused the living daylights out of Nick Bosa last year. Yeah, he's so aggressive. He's not staying home. Like his job is to get to the quarterback, and he does it as well as anybody in the NFL. But he will do so. Like you remember all of the complaints that we used to have about Chris Jones. All of those apply to Nick Bosa in that defense with the 49ers as well. He's worth it because he's excellent at rushing the passer. But, dude, they've got some guys on the edge that if you want to exploit it, you can get after them in the running game. No, I, I, no, I, I agree with that. I, and, and that'll be a big, big key, sort of, for this game. Yeah, it's BK talked about how Steve Wilkes doesn't really make adjustments. And the reason they play so much zone is because they don't trust their corners to play man. Like Traverius Ward's the only guy that they trust out there. And, you know, Traverius Ward had an all pro caliber season. I think Legarius Sneed should have been all pro over Traverius Ward, but he's had a very nice season. Also, I'm sure it's gotten back to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs that Ward was like, San Francisco's better. It's just better in every way. Like, not really something that I think you want you want to throw on the fire ahead of this game when you're the guy that's from Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes is not going to be afraid of targeting you in the Super Bowl. But they're going to have some matchups to win. And that's the thing, too. And you talk about their them giving up so many yards on the ground. They've been a pretty bad tackling team over the second half of the season. Like, it's yes. been a consistent issue for their defense. And so, yeah, they've got all this talent up front. But Eric Armstead's not quite the same player that he has been in the past years. He's been really banged up this year. Javon Hargrave, still an effective player, but, like, he's old and he's been banged up all throughout the season. And Chase Young really hasn't been very good. Like, their pass rush win rate has gone down since Chase Young came over in that trade. Like, it's they've got all the tools up front. They've got all the guys who got all the physical gifts, but they haven't been a particularly good defense. It just like executing and then they're limited on the back end. So those are all things that you should be able to exploit. And when you give Andy Reed and this offensive staff this much time, I think we're going to get the good stuff from Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. Listen, and and, and I and I'll, I think so too. Hell, there ain't nothing else to hold back. And he's had two weeks to watch this group. And it's interesting to me because this defense is, uh, I, I would say, there is a good, a good amount in terms of a gap in terms of their defense compared to last year's defense that the Chiefs faced. The defense that was under D'Amico Ryan's, I think there's a there's a pretty decent gap. Into okay, what I thought Niners you were talking about the Eagles. I thought you were talking about the Eagles defense no. that the Chiefs played in the Super Bowl. I was like, I. I feel like they're no, pretty no, similar. No. That's interesting. <laughs> no, no, no. The, from the gap that the Chiefs played with the Niners last year when they put 44 on them to this one, this D'Amico, the D'Amico defense, I think there's a clear difference on, on how good that defense was compared to this one. And they put 44 on them jokers. And I will say this, and I don't mean to scare you two, and I know maybe there is just some, hey, man, let's just, let just, let's, let's just, let's not ask for too much. And I know sort of how you feel, but I mean, I have watched a lot of Niners stuff and I, and I watched the most recent matchup between the chiefs and the Niners, which was last year, man. One thing that steps and jumps out is how much MVS got going down the field in that game. MVS had 111 yards receiving in that game on three catches and he had one for 40 and one for 57 big plays down the field. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that he's going to do that again. 111 yards, I don't know that he can do that. But we do know he has had three big big plays in the postseason, down the field plays in the postseason, including the one to really finish off the Ravens. So, there's something there that they found and they saw last year to where they got him open down the field and they were pretty easy throws where he ran away from Ward on one of them. 
that that's one to watch. And I don't know if it may not be him, if it's Hardman, whatever. There was there were down the field options, which obviously makes everything easier. But there were down the field options for this team last year, and they hit several of them. Like I said, there were there were two to MVS. Juju got him one. They had some down there. That 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 is going to be one to watch to see if any way they can replicate the downfield success. Not to mention, I think I think um, McKinnon had a big chunk play on a screen that it got off uh, on like a third down and 20 or something that he, he set up. So that that's one to watch if they can replicate that part of last year's game. Yeah. I, I think anytime you get to these big games, like you're, you're going to find a surprise player that steps up in a big way. It's typically one of the secondary weapons, right? You go back to 2019, that game against the 49ers last time around, Sammy Watkins had a huge game. He, mm-hmm. they, they don't win that Super Bowl without Sammy Watkins going off the way that he did in that one. Uh, in the Super Bowl last year against the Eagles, this was a little bit more easy to foresee. But Jarek McKinnon, 35 yards on the ground on just four carries, and then added a few receptions for first downs as well through the air. Like that's that's the kind of thing that you're going to need. So whether that's MVS, if it's Justin Watson, if it's Noah Gray, you're going to need one of the secondary ancillary playmakers to be able to come up with like three big plays in this one and it can be a combination of all of them right maybe mvs has one 30 yard reception and blake bell on a third and 12 gets you a 15 yard play and then clyde edwards alaire has a really nice run for you like that that might be the way that it goes but you're gonna need justin plays. sure you're gonna need probably like three plays from surprise places other than rasheed rice isaiah pacheco travis kelsey to be able to win you this game against the 49ers